Iconic wrestling coach Dan Gable once said, Pain is nothing compared to what it feels like to quit. Give everything you've got today, for tomorrow may never come. Gable could be describing those whose achievements have earned them the honor of being inducted into the National Wrestling Hall of Fame. Etched in Stone, the stories of wrestling's legends will take you inside the lives of over 200 of the greatest wrestlers in history as they share their never-before-told stories about their trials, tribulations, and triumphs. Competitors, coaches, teammates, and those who knew these athletes best will also weigh in on their accomplishments with their own unique perspectives. Welcome to the show, folks. You're listening to The Smiths on the Etched in Stone series. My name is Ryan Warner. I'll be your host. So let's get started. This episode chronicles John's final season as a wrestler. I learned more in that, that one year than I did in the five previous. And the reason I say that is because of the emotions and the anxiety, um, because of the challenge of coaching. Oklahoma State Wrestling faces the death penalty as the NCAA alleges that... It wasn't a smooth year like 1990 where you're just blazing through everything and everyone and you feel like King Kong. You know, this is a year, you, you know, you, you you never felt like that. And, and you're, you're miserable and you're questioning yourself and you're, you're beating yourself up. Um, and, you know, uh, but yet you're still trying to find a way to win. I mean, that may be, I may be overstretching that a little bit, but it just really felt like my most rewarding year when I walked away from wrestling was that last year. John Smith. John Smith. John Smith. Probably the greatest wrestler we've ever had in the United States. He took it down. I see a bundle of intensity. I find a way to win. It seems incredible that a family can do that well. Three NCAA champions, the only family to ever do that. It just seems one brother after the other tries to outdo the one before him. A big win for young Pat Smith. Pat Smith, the number one seed and defending champ from Oklahoma State. It was, you know, a wrestling life. You're listening to The Smiths, Episode 6. Let's get started. We begin our story in the spring of 1991. John Smith had just won the Sullivan Award as the nation's top amateur athlete, and Pat Smith had just won his second consecutive NCAA title. But, Oklahoma State head coach Joe C. was suspended after he admitted to instructing his wrestlers to lie to the NCAA investigators. Now, if you remember, Oklahoma State had paid for their wrestlers' entry fees to open tournaments, $20, $25 worth. That's a crime in the eyes of the NCAA, and Joe C. told his wrestlers to lie about it. With Joe C.'s confession in hand, NCAA investigators returned to Stillwater and gave the wrestlers one more chance to come clean. Alan Freed was one of those wrestlers. And I told them everything about what Joe said, get your story straight, and came clean on all that. And then they, they were like, uh, okay, you know, this is uh, your testimony, like revamped, you know, like a be- amended testimony on, on, the, on the record. Alan Freed wasn't the only one to come clean. During the summer of 91, wrestler after wrestler recanted their initial lies and fessed up. 
Pat Smith was one of those wrestlers. Had we had been honest, looking back at it, you know, 20 some odd years later, had, had the people that had the power to go in and be honest um, on the OSU staff, they would have slapped us on the hand. It would have been a slap on the hand and done with. I mean, it was so petty. But we, they got they got pissed off because they had to keep coming back. They had to keep coming back. And that's what got them mad. By the fall of 91, the investigators left Stillwater for the last time with more than enough evidence to suspend Pat, his teammates, and cancel Oklahoma State Wrestling altogether. You see, lying to the NCAA is a capital offense, and they come down hard on both programs as well as athletes when a lie is found. But Oklahoma State had bigger problems, like finding a head coach for the wrestling team. In a bizarre turn of events, Oklahoma State hired Kenny Monday and John Smith to be interim co-head coaches. It would be like Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen coaching the Bulls while also trying to win a championship. It was a real, kind of a shocker, frankly. You know, I mean, he and Kenny, uh, I mean, without a doubt, two of the most decorated, in modern times anyway, in, in our program. Um, but it was, it was like a little bit like, are they ready for this? And is this gonna work? That was Willie Baker, an attorney based in Stillwater. Here's Pat Smith. I mean, those guys, those guys didn't want that title. They, they wanted to focus on winning an Olympic gold medal. And um, they were still in their careers. Um, but they did it because they loved Oklahoma State. And that's why they did it. Just as most college coaches were beginning their preseason regiments, John and Kenny flew to Bulgaria for the 1991 World Championships. College coaching was the last thing on their mind. You know, Russ, last year when John was in the World Finals, we talked about somewhat of a mismatch. Seems like every time John wrestles these days, it's a mismatch. There's just no one been able to give him a good match in the world's of the last two or three years. After steamrolling through the tournament, John advanced to the finals where the Italian awaited. Again, he's stalking Scalacci. He's after him. Scalacci's trying to circle away, trying to still stay on the mat, but he's still backing up, and John's right after him, right in his face the whole time. The match wasn't even close, as John Smith ascended to yet another level of greatness. John Smith wins his fifth world title. Uh, Jim, do you think there's anybody that can stand in this man's way of a second gold medal in Barcelona? Well, I certainly hope not. After John returned from the World Championships, he was greeted with a letter of inquiry from the NCAA. Finally, the charges were announced. And they were serious, folks. College Wrestling Tonight has a new scandal. Oklahoma State Wrestling faces the death penalty as the NCAA alleges that the program violated over 25 rules pertaining to recruiting and the handling of school funds. OSU will have 30 days to respond. Immediately... Oklahoma State canceled the first half of their season, and the NCAA suspended most of the wrestlers, including Pat Smith. Here's Willie Baker again. So what the NCAA is trying to do is make examples out of the ones they do catch and hopefully deter others from doing the same thing. And I think that's what they're trying to do in wrestling, is saying, you know what, if you lie about it, it's far worse. 
John was now coaching a team that was suspended from competing and he was responsible for those 40 athletes who had just had their season ripped from underneath them. Yeah, it was, it was, uh, I was in the middle of that and I agreed to it and I was in the middle of it and I'm going, why did you do this? You know, what were you thinking? You know, all of a sudden, um, you're dealing with 40 athletes, making sure they're making their grades. You're doing some things that, that you never had to, you know, worry about, you know, and, and you think, you know, um, a lot of that during a lot of those years, you're so self-centered on yourself. You know, all of a sudden you're giving some of your time up. You know, you're helping some guys get better. You know, you're, you're helping some people through some issues academically, whatever. Um, and I wasn't, I wasn't ready to do all that, you know. And it, it, um, it kind of threw me for a loop, and I knew I was in trouble. Um, but I also knew I made a commitment, you know. And so I stuck with it. John's plan to survive the year was simple. Get his wrestlers eligible, help Pat win a third consecutive title, and then focus on making the 1992 Olympic team. After all, the Barcelona Games would take place in 10 months. And just when things seemed like it couldn't get any worse for the Cowboys, they got some good news. The NCAA was postponing their investigation until after the 92 NCAA season. Which meant that most of the wrestlers, including Pat, could return to the mat. We'll find out the final implications of this investigation in Episode 7. But right now, let's get to Pat's junior season. But that's Pat Smith for the red team. He has a possibility of being the first wrestler ever to win four national titles. Nobody's ever done it. Four NCAA Division I national titles. It's, a, it's something that's been sought after and not found. Despite the continuous off-the-mat distractions... Pat was resilient and went undefeated during his junior year. There's that famous Smith low single. You can see Smith like a, like a snake out there, snapping up, looking for an ankle. His only blemish that year was a tie to Arizona State's Ray Miller, who he faced in the 1992 NCAA Finals. You know, that, that, that year I felt, you know, I felt really solid that year and, and I got into the finals with uh, Ray Miller um, like I said I, I, I still to this day believe it's the best wrestler I've ever wrestled in college and not to take away from the other ones because they were great too but um, for whatever reason for my style or whatever it may be he was the best wrestler I've ever wrestled um, uh, and got to the finals and I was just so confident you know the, the thought of losing was just, it was, it was unacceptable. Um, I was not going to lose. I was going to win. I had full confidence that I was going to win the NCAA title. And it was a um, step out there and shake hands and make it happen and go get on the podium because that's what you're going to do. And, um, and that's what I did. In the finals, Pat beat Ray Miller 3-1. to one. It was his third straight NCAA crown. And it marked the end to yet another harrowing year for Pat. It also marked the end to John's co-head coaching career. He told a reporter that weekend that it's impossible 
to train for the Olympics and coach a team. I'm glad I did it, but taking on those responsibilities as a coach took away from what made me who I was. All of a sudden, I changed my routine. And so I, I, I had a hard time letting that go. Like, why did you do this to yourself? Why did you do I, I, It's just like, come on, John. You're a five-time world champion. You can list, let this go. Let it go, you know, and move on. I couldn't let it go. I couldn't. I, I, in my head, it was just like, you know, I had plenty of time to, to, to work out, too. You know, but I, I was struggling with myself. That why did you do this? Why were you? Why did you give this much time to something you know that um, is going to could wreck you here at the end of your career? You know, and so I fought with myself a lot. You know, in that that year, trying to find myself. John was so stressed during this time that his hair began to fall out. And with the Olympic trials just days away, he called home to Chuck White, his brother-in-law. John, who doesn't call a lot of people that much, called me and said, hey, I want you and Rita, this is his sister, I want you at the trials in Pittsburgh. And I, and I said, I'll see what I can do. And I hung, as soon as I hung up the phone, her dad called, who doesn't call anybody either, and said, hey, he needs us, we're going to Pittsburgh. So it worked out perfect. We just bought a new little Toyota Camry, and we just jumped in it and took off. 17 hours later, the Smith family pulled into the parking lot at the Palestra, the University of Pennsylvania's gym. They walked into the arena, grabbed their seats, and readied to watch John make a second consecutive Olympic team. I remember it just being really dark. And it seemed like we were far away from that one mat they had out there in the middle. And, uh, you know, and then John walks, you know, when he went out on the mat, it was, you know, it, it just he kind of looked different. You know, his skin looked paler or something for some reason. But, you know, you, I didn't think too much about it. For John to make the Olympic team, he'd need to win a best of three series against his opponent that night, John Fisher. Fisher out of the University of Michigan. Dale Barr, his coach back then, he was a four-time All-American. Fisher was a big underdog that night. He had lost to John previously, but no one really knew just how banged up John was mentally from coaching all year. Let's see what happened. And then all of a sudden the match gets going and, you know, he ends up getting beat by Fisher. And it's kind of like, what the hell just happened? <laughs> you know? In the biggest upset since Buster Douglas knocking out Mike Tyson, Fisher beat John 4-2. The onlookers were stunned and watched John shuffle out of the arena. Meanwhile, Chuck White and the rest of the Smith family left the arena to grab a bite to eat. We were driving to get something to eat between sessions and he was sitting on the curb. We're talking about John Smith here in his warm-ups, sitting on the street. Yeah, on the curb. On the curb, by itself. I want to say I was probably about three quarters of a mile from the from the facility when they pulled up next to me, and I was I was sitting on the curb, and I didn't know what I was doing out there. I, I just know I I took off running and or walking and 
you know. And then I was sitting sitting on the curb, and you know, um, they pulled up, and my dad was with him too. Rolled down the window. You want to go eat? And he got in the car. So you get him in the car. What's he say in the car? Does he say anything? Is he crying? No, he wasn't crying. He didn't say a lot in the car. I, there wasn't much said. There wasn't. I mean, my dad knew where I was at for sure. I was probably, you know, making helping them not feel so uncomfortable around me, you know. After picking up John, the family pulled into Wendy's. While we were eating lunch, he like he's at, he looks at me and is like, so what do you think? And I'm thinking like, why are you asking me? <laughs> You've got all these gold medals, and why are you asking me what I think? And I just the only thing I told him, I said, you just don't got the eye of the tiger right now. That's the only difference I see in you. After lunch, John returned to his hotel room when he heard a knock on the door. It was Kendall Cross, his teammate, who wanted to see how his friend was doing. I remember thinking, you know, that just the normal, super confident John Smith that I was used to be around. Um, there was a little bit of, uh, and it wasn't just what he said. I don't think it was anything that he said. I think it was just body language and look. You know, like, ooh. You know, I just, uh, I sensed that he was um, super anxious about what the next thing to do would be. Um, I knew where I was at. I knew what was going to, what was going to, what, what needed to take place in the next couple matches. Um, and losing that first one, it prepared me for the next two. I knew they were going to be tough. And I knew I was going to have to scrap and I was going to have to fight and, and I wasn't going to feel things like I normally feel them. And my leg lace wasn't there. My gut, you know, there was things that wasn't there that just, hey, they're not going to be there. You're going to have to, you're going to, have to scrap for each takedown, each, each score, and, and uh, any turn will be a bonus. Back at the palestra, John strapped on his shoes, got a quick warm-up in, and walked on the mat for his second match with John Fisher. Any loss at this point would mean no Olympic Games. And Fisher, I'm going to tell you, man, um, there was something about him that I've never felt. I mean, I felt a better wrestler than I've ever, ever felt from him. Match two was fast-paced. Both wrestlers attacking, but John won 3-1. to one setting up the third and final bout with a spot on the 1992 Olympic team hanging in the balance. One wrestler must win two out of three to be a member of the 1992 Olympic team. Fisher, the contender, the challenger rather, John Smith, the contender. One match decides it all right here. Everyone in the arena stopped what they were doing and had eyes on this match. And just 22 seconds into the bout, Fisher scored first. And then John answered, taking a two-to-one lead. But Fisher wasn't done. Oh, Fisher, nice job on the cradle, out of bounds. They're going to give him one. He was looking for the tilt, but he gets only one. That knocks it up at two and two. Boy, this is a great match. This is what it's all about. What it comes down to, making the Olympic team. 3.53 left in the match, two-to-two. With his back against the wall and the weight of the world on his shoulders, John Smith hit a duck under on the edge of the mat. John Smith gets the point. He's now ahead 3-2. to two. two minutes and 15 seconds to go. As the match went on, both wrestlers scored again. But John held on, making a second consecutive Olympic team. And time runs.
comes out. John Fisher takes John Smith right down to the wire, the third and deciding match. John Smith wins. After the Olympic trials, John had six weeks to get ready for Barcelona. During that time, he isolated himself from much of the world. But he did allow one interview, and it was with the LA Times. This interview gives us a small window into John's mental state during this turbulent summer. In a 1992 LA Times article, Smith was quoted as saying this, I make a commitment no other wrestler does. Anything that gets in my way, I pretty much eliminate. I don't have close friends, I just can't afford to have them. Yeah, that guy caught me on the wrong day. <laughs> so I'll just say that. Um, yeah, I mean, it wasn't a good day that day, and, and I just know the things I said in that article, they're true, but um, I probably didn't word them like I wish I would have. Uh, it's like I don't, I don't give a damn right now, you know. Um, things aren't going well. You know, they wasn't going well, you know, and um, yeah, I, I get asked about that article often. But why weren't things going well? It had been months since John had been a coach. You know, all of a sudden, you know, you, you're not wrestling for the joy of something, and that, that was a little bit as well my last year. So I'm not wrestling for the joy of winning an Olympic gold medal. I'm wrestling to end my career on top. I could care less about the medal, right? I mean, you don't go five years and win, and in your last year, you not win. That's all I could think about. Well, you could do that, and everything's going to be okay, right? But, but in my mind, it was just like, that's impossible. I can't. I can't. And that's really what pushed me over the edge. It, was, it, was, it wasn't the gold medal. It was just, I don't want to live the next 30 years of my life thinking about this year I didn't win. That's a lot of pressure for John to carry into the Olympic Games. But nevertheless, he was off, flying to Barcelona, for the 1992 Olympics. Barcelona was the first European city to host the Olympics since Munich, Germany, back in 1972. For John, Barcelona was an opportunity to cement his name as one of the greatest wrestlers of all time. You see, no American had won two Olympic gold medals in wrestling since 1908. And despite John's turbulent summer, he made a commitment to himself just days before wrestling began. You know, I told um, Coach Burnett, he was, he was there, um, and I said, it's not going to be pretty, but I'm going to win. And so I went in knowing what to expect, and by knowing that, you know, um, just kind of set my mind like, you know, you're gonna have to you're gonna have to prepare to win maybe matches in the last thirty seconds. You know, you're gonna have to prepare to win by one. Are you ready to win by one? We'd soon find out as John stepped on the mat for his first of six matches at the '92 Games. First round for this weight class in the third day of competition. Wearing a blue singlet with red and white stripes, John jumped out to a 2-0 lead against the Turk. But midway through the match, things got interesting. 
Grabs on. He's going to get caught in the gut wrench here. That's going to be two. And that will knot it back up at two to two. That was the first time that John had been turned in years. He responded in kind. Nice. Tucks under. Gets it on the leg. It doesn't, it doesn't get any smoother than that, Jeff. As the match wound down, the Turk was relentless, but John hung on. He will win it 3-2. to two. A tough start here for John Smith, the United States, but he does control the action on his feet. In the second round, John wrestled the North Korean and was again pushed to the brink, but held on to win 2-1. to one. On day two of the competition, John opened up, beating the German 8-0 to zero and Tech falling the Russian. By Friday morning, he was 4-0 with just one match to go before the finals. His opponent was Lazaro Reynoso, the Cuban. The same Cuban who handed John a loss back in February of 1990. Also the same Cuban who John humiliated at the Grand Championships in December of 90. In the Cuban's eyes, it was time for payback. This match will really determine who's going to go for the gold medal here in this 136.5-pound weight class, Pool A. Reynoso has spelled a disaster for John Smith. He has beat, beaten him. And he doesn't waste any time attacking, Jeff. It's a one-point takedown. Pounded Smith. Down by a point, 40 seconds into the match, John went to work. After all, he had never lost an Olympic match. The Cuban will really not go hard offense from the start. Beautiful maneuver by Smith. Seizing the Cuban's arm and simply running around it, he'll gain a point here for a takedown. It's not a talent, one piece. As the match went on, Chuck White watched from the stands. You know, the, the intensity of it was just like unbelievable. John's brother Leroy was coaching in the corner and watched the Cuban fend off John's attack. And he gave, he stopped John's low single. And and uh, uh, probably the only one in the world that could do that. Tied one to one at the end of regulation, the match went to overtime. John Smith really being pushed, but hanging in there, showing the champion that he is. Midway through the OT, Reynoso was in deep on John and had John's foot over his head. He's trying to pull it up there. John is very good at countering, but the Cuban is very intense right now. He's got that leg out. He's in a great position to score on John. He wins his match with a wizard. My Lord, Smith came so close. So oh, he's frustrated close. right he's now. He's very frustrated. The wizardry of defense that John threw at the Cuban during that exchange was incredible. And seconds later, John was in on a single leg ready to end the match. He's got his hands locked. This could be the winning sequence. Renoso in on the cross left. you got to be careful here. Either wrestler could score here, Jeff. And wouldn't you know it, that's when the video stops. But I'll fill you in on the rest. After John's shot, Reynoso threw him to his back with a crotch lift and won the match. It was John's first defeat in world or Olympic competition. Leroy, who was in the coach's corner just a few feet away, watched Reynoso get his hand raised and John shuffle off the mat. We're walking out of the arena and, and he's 
you know, choking up a little bit and saying it's it's all over, it's all I ruined it. I didn't, you know, and he's really, you know, beating himself up hard. Now, even though John lost that match, he was still headed to the finals. You see, Lazaro lost to the Russian, and John Tech the Russian. So all John had to do was score one point against the Cuban, and he was guaranteed a spot in the finals. Still, the loss was like a death to John. And after the match, he went back to his room and fell into a deep nap. The finals were six hours away. And I remember dreaming, had this dream that I got beat in the finals. And I remember waking up and it feeling as real as anything I've ever felt in my entire life. And I didn't know at the time, but I knew that something felt felt odd. You know, it's like, did I lose? Did I lose the match? You know, and, and I'm sitting there and I'm thinking and and I'm thinking and I'm thinking and and I go down and I'm taking a walk and I'm like, no, I got the match today. I got the match today. And I read the newspaper. They had a, they had a, a newspaper that was uh, that they put out for all the athletes every day in the Olympic Village, a U.S. newspaper. And I remember opening up, pulling that back to wrestling. No, no I, I wrestled today. I, I was relieved. I just felt relieved. And I think that that moment probably really helped me perform at a high level. It was just like a second chance here. You know, that's crazy. You know, and 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 I don't. I mean, I, I just remember that. It just felt so real to me, but there was something was telling me, ah, this is no, no, you're, you just dream, you, you had a, you had a poor dream, you know. Uh, anyway, after John checked the newspaper and realized that he hadn't wrestled his finals yet, he packed his bag, walked out of the lobby of the hotel, and to the arena for the Olympic finals. It would be his last match as a wrestler. Right now, he's going for his pick. A appreciative crowd for the American team, but especially right now, they have been following this young man for such a long time and watching him in his way. We'll be going against this man, Asghari Mohammadi from the Republic of Iran, 29 years old. As the match started, John's family, just a few feet from the mat, watched nervously. I'm getting goosebumps right now thinking about it. But it was, you know, it was just phenomenal. I mean, it's one, he went out there and just, he wrestled like John does. I would not want to face Smith after a loss. Smith reaching back, trying to gain the risk, and that's going to be another two points. Five nothing now in favor of Smith. John continued to push the pace, building his lead to six points before the match ended. John Smith is going to get the job done. Right at the end of the match, her dad turns to me and goes, you know, we're the only people sitting in this venue that didn't know he was going to win. <laughs> and, and then, I mean, it was great. Her and her dad ran down there. John ran up to them. and It, it was just, it was a classic moment, you know. And then that, I think, and then when he got the gold medal and they raised the American flag and played the national anthem, I mean, that was, I'll never forget that as, you know, as long as I live. It was just an incredible experience. 
John's second gold medal capped off an incredible run of six consecutive world and Olympic gold medals. A feat that has never been matched even to this day. Oklahoma citizens thank their favorite son by erecting a life-size bronze statue at John's High School, Dell City. John Smith has had more recognition since I've been in the legislature, not only from Dell City, but any other Oklahoman that I know of. Politician after politician took to the podium to thank John. I, I can't even imagine being the very best in the entire world. Dare to dream. We did dare to dream because of this young man, our hero. John, we're so proud of you, and God bless you, and give you continued success. And finally, it was time for John to take the podium, just as the statue was unveiled. Thank you, I appreciate it. Um, as I look at it, I, I see that it seems like they got everything right, especially my ear there. <laughs> looks perfect. I'm overwhelmed, you know, with all this, you know, with naming the high school after me and the bronze statue. You know, it's hard to really talk about how much I appreciate what the community has done for me. When I started wrestling, all I ever thought about was, was winning. I have probably have finished my last match in the Olympics. Um, and as I look back, uh, I have no regrets. As John stepped away from the podium and into the ceremony, wrestling fans wanted to know if he was sincere about retiring or if the lure of the 1996 Olympics being held in the USA would pull John back on the mat. Let's find out in episode 7. That's it, folks. Thank you so much for tuning in. We'll see you next time. Hey guys, if you want to help us spread the word, please rate the episode and share it with your friends. The Smiths was written and directed by Ryan Warner. Executive producers include USA Wrestling and the National Wrestling Hall of Fame. A special thank you to the entire Smith family, Rich Bender and Leroy Smith. Etched in Stone is an exclusive production of the National Wrestling Hall of Fame and USA Wrestling. Download your free souvenir book of any of the Etched in Stone stories produced at nwhof.org. The storybook includes the written story and is filled with pictures and videos of their live matches. And while you're on the website, take a deeper dive into the profiles of the 179 distinguished members inducted into the National Wrestling Hall of Fame.